Welcome to the Tech Nori Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me on this show, good friend of mine, Colin Donahue, Glen Ellen's own. Uh, multi-time founders had tremendous success in the IT services space, the um, telecom world. He scaled the first company to over $100 million before going public in like four years back in the late 90s when, when uh, people were printing money in the space. And then shit got real for a minute and uh, they had to retool. And then he started another company in, uh, in Latin America and got that up to a 65 plus million dollars in like two years uh, before he exited out of that. And he's at it again with another company, which I've partnered with called Genuity. And um, listen, I, I work for tech companies. I look at tech companies. Doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. Uh, I have no idea how to manage like the tech that we use, the subscriptions. I don't even know how to manage my own budget, uh, personal business I have. Personal, I don't. Um, so having an account like Genuity where I not only can manage what's in front of me and I can see, you know, who on my team is using Slack versus this versus that and making sure I'm not paying for things that I don't need, um, it's very helpful. Not to mention that it actually helps me save money um, by flat out literally re-signing for Google or re-signing for Microsoft C65 or whatever it is and saving 10, 20, you know, percent discount, which he's set up. Uh, so if you if you're, you listen to more about the, the podcast, we talk more about IT services and how Junity works and he walks us through it. So it's, it's worth a listen. Um, but in general, I just think it's, it's such an interesting space because so few people actually understand it and and that's why they get ripped off honestly that's why they get ripped off and that's why genuity seems to work so that is my conversation with him before we do that we got to do the startup inbox uh it's brought to you by active campaign we actually use them i love active campaign go beyond email marketing with true automation by signing up for activecampaign.com slash technori get your first two months for free um millie harrison sweet name always uh i see lots of startups get nominated for winning or nominated or winning business awards for workplace culture, hiring, entrepreneurship, etc., is it worth taking the time to get nominated or keep my head down, focus on the business? It is um, fortuitous that this is the question. In the conversation with um, Colm, we actually kind of go down memory lane a little bit on my kind of tiredness with all of the celebratory shit. Um, here's what I got to tell you. Awards draw attention. So if you need attention for business or for person then you should get an award. What I have found out is that you pretty much don't get any awards unless you apply for them, which is sort of a sad state of affairs. And awards are just like kind of this like ego play that we give to people so that they feel either good about where they're going or make them feel special or ask them from some sort of sponsorship or some kind of bullshit afterward. Um, not really my cup of tea. I don't apply for these things and, probably why I don't win them. I don't know. Maybe I don't deserve them. I probably don't deserve them. But uh, which is not to say I haven't before that Technori hasn't won awards. We won Chicago Innovation Award. We've won, you know, I've won 50 on fire and things like that. I I just personally, you know, I don't like signing up for this stuff. It's just, it's, it's an, I'd rather just stay focused on, on driving my business and the rewards that I'm, I can put it this way. The rewards that I'm counting are not the rewards that, that those people who do this are counting. I'm counting how much wealth am I creating for people in my space that work with me or for me, for my investors? How am I helping my end customers? How am I helping the people get to where that, that I'm working for get to where they're going? And am I able to live the lifestyle that I want to live at home? That's my award. Um, but that said, rant aside, it is very important in the modern world to have 
vanity metrics on your website and on your on your LinkedIn. And if you want to win awards, you want to be a member of the Forbes Tech Council, then you need to go on and apply for it and win it and promote the shit out of it if you're going to do that. That's my two cents. On to uh, a very, very interesting conversation. Like I said, I've known Colin for a lot of time, a lot of years. He's a very successful guy, and you would never know it, and that's probably why I like him. Uh, the company he is building is going to be a monster, I think. And so this is my conversation with Colm Donahue, the CEO, co-founder, or I guess founder of Genuity. Did I ever tell you the, the uh, I'm just like, we just start here. We just okay. start the show. All right. Uh, did I ever tell you that I've had a couple different sponsors? I know you know the answer to this. You've, we've been friends a long time. Uh, that I've had a couple of sponsors in the IT space. You did. Uh, we won't say their names because, like, they're they're from the same town that we we call home. So, like, or at least some of them are. Um, but the the problem that we had with them from day one was that I felt like they never understood the actual reason that they existed. Like, if I look at the pro- like, if I look at the company that they that they built, very successful. But like, from a customer standpoint. I feel like they were solving a problem. It's not like they were solving a customer's problem. They had figured out a way to make money, and there's a difference. And like from one side of this show, we talk about how you want to make money, and obviously we want people to be successful. But like the the companies that do crazy shit, like just unbelievable stuff, are the ones that solve uh, customer problems. The, the last episode we did here was with my friend Luke Saunders from Farmers Fridge, and he talked about how many PE firms and investors that he knows. Um, had basically said to him, like, you're a restaurant. You're, are you a restaurant in a box or like a vending machine or are you a real estate play? And he was like, no, we are a restaurant on the go. And our number one concern is always that the customers are happy with our food. Like, that's, that's what we are. You have started a company in Genuity that I think is not just changing the way that companies monetize the space but actually changing the way that the customers interface. And and I think it's a huge differentiator. Tell me about like just in general, like your your attraction to taking on these these IT giants. You know, I think I mean really what we're doing is we're taking enterprise level tools and repurposing them for you know the SMB to mid market companies. Okay. Because if you're an enterprise, you've got vendors beating down your door. You know what I mean? You've got a large technical staff, a huge budget, a subscription to Gartner, which probably costs you sixty-five grand a year. And you look at the mid-market SMB. You, you know they don't have those kind of budgets or those kind of resources. So what typically happens is, the less you know, you you know, the more you pay, right? So the market's very fragmented, and we wanted to give the you know the enterprise-level purchasing power to SMB and enterprise, you know, SMB and mid-market companies, uh, you know, to those companies and give them more visibility in their technology spend. And that's what we've created with Genuity. You know what's funny about, and you're, I don't know if you'll follow this or not, but like I have always thought in, in the scheme of, of scale, in the scheme of scaling growth companies, I've always thought, which you know, you know a few things about, um, I've always thought about recruiting, like the hiring of a recruiter, whether it's a firm or in-house, very similar to IT. It's like this pain in my ass thing that's going to happen you want it to happen because it means you've gotten big enough you need it. But it's also like this thing. It's like it's like HR. The minute that you go from QuickBooks to an actual HR person is that minute where you're like, this is so exciting. We have so many people. We're growing so fast. Holy shit. I have an HR person. Like, I can't, can I say that even anymore? Like, everything changes. And IT is very much the same thing. And recruiting is the same thing. It's like, 
we have to start putting processes in place for our processes. And it's scary. And I think to your point before you talk about how they just, they made money because they didn't know. I think a lot of businesses were happy not knowing, even though it was expensive because they just like, hey, we paid a lot of money for it, so nothing can go wrong. Right. And it turns out it was just complete luck that nothing has gone wrong. Correct. And that is where I think you have this extremely, what you have built, and we're going to get into like you and your background and how you got to this position, but like- you come at this in a position that I think, you know, hey, a lot of crazy stuff can happen in the world, but like you are in a spot where there potentially could be a just monumental game changer because in my view, it's the first version of this that is not making money directly on the unknown, but rather making money on saving you on the known. The unknown to the known is where I see you going with this. And that to me is like, there's nothing else in the market like it because you're you're not only making money on stuff that you know they're going to need, but you're actually walking your customers through an educational tutorial on how to do it and how to do it more cost effectively. And you're making money as they spend money rather than making money to tell them to spend more money, which is like I, I, there's going to be a lot of people once you get going that are going to start flipping their model. That's. That's what I think. Well, I mean, that's correct. And really what we're doing is we're providing visibility, right? So yeah. give them systems to see what's going on. And what we do is we use that data to trigger events where we actually can save them money. You know, in today's world, there's thousands of SaaS applications promoted daily. So we thought a better model would be to give them the value, let them see what we see, and use that data to trigger events to a marketplace where we can provide them guaranteed savings and enterprise-level purchasing power. Talk a little bit about the marketplace, because I think that's the other thing here. Like, and we're going to, I should say, I, I say this on every every episode, I should have you start with what the company is, but I just feel like most of the time it's not as valuable to know, like, here's our mission and our pitch. And it's like, no, no, like, what, what do you do? Like, how does this work? What is the marketplace? How does this work? Well, the marketplace, let me give you an example. You're managing contracts on our platform or assets or telecom expense management or SaaS subscriptions. We can then use that data to trigger events. Let's say, for example, you've got Microsoft Exchange on-prem. We can say, hey, go to our marketplace and save 15% on Office 365. Or even if they're Office 365 customer, we can take that, do migrations, and automatically save them 15%. So for us, it's really about a lot of the SaaS companies, that's how they monetize on software sales. And we see it more as a customer acquisition tool, right? So we're partners with the company, right? So we give them the visibility we see, and we use that data to trigger events to a marketplace where we can save them money. And the power of that is we're not cold calling them, we're not you know, saying, hey, what can we sell you today? We're saying, hey, here's how you can save money and feel free to price track us. And here's the visibility into these contracts, into your assets, into your vendor spend, so that you have as much visibility as us. It's like, and that's where we're different. It's like Groupon for IT, except it works. Correct. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. I don't know if he's listening, but that's, uh, that's how that goes. Um, no, I so like walk me. So I'm, I run a company of five five employees, and we work with a company within our family office of you know maybe fifty people. And if I had so if I have phones, laptops, um, I've got subscriptions to obviously to like Active Campaign and other things. How how do I manage? And, and obviously uh, Microsoft three sixty five and Adobe sure. and Google and all this. How do I manage it? Walk me through how I get onto Genuity and what I start doing. So there's two parts of our platform. There's the IT admin suite, which we have six different modules, 
and we have the marketplace where four different modules, okay? So I'm gonna run you through both, and, and we'll talk about the SaaS part of it, which is vendor management. So once you log in, you know, vendor, you make a credit card, bank account, or multiple there, they're off, yep. it pulls in your, all your technology spend, so now you can track your licenses and everything else, right? And let's say you have a subscription coming up, or you're currently on Office, Office 365, we can use that data and say, hey, by the way, if you go to our marketplace, you can save 15% on Office 365, or even G Suite, which has, you know, actually a price increase going April 2nd, we can say, hey, save 10% on G Suite. And what we've done in the back end is we built out all the integrations with G Suite, Office 365, DocuSign, GoDaddy, hardware side, same thing with Dell, Lenovo, Access, and the telecom side as well. So I, I like walk me. So like the part that I, this is where I, I get lost, right? This sure. is like all the IT people get lost or the people who are not IT. I don't know what I'm signing up for half the time. Like I, and, and like as a CEO of a company and you've got like, let's say you're now a 20 or 30 person company. Sure. I'm signing up for security stuff. I, I've got people who are signing up for their own shit. Like, I don't even know what's going on. What is the, like, what is the most typical behavior of an IT management company that's not you? So like somebody else calls me and says, this is what we're going to do. What does it look like comparatively? You, you know, I mean, basically they, they may do outsourced IT and so they're just, you know, giving you a flat rate to manage this stuff, but you can't manage what you can't measure. Right, so typically, what happens, even at the mid-market, so you're paying companies, a bunch of money. You literally could have no need whatsoever, or, or no you could have a ton of need. And you're not using or it, or no visibility. So they're there to fix computers, manage that type of stuff, but they're you know not there to manage your spend, or they're selling you products that they're upselling, right? And so our model is to give you visibility into your spend because typically, what happens, even at two, three hundred person companies, right? Finance gets the bills and pays it, right? But no one's tracking these bills, right? So we give you the you know you know the ability to track all these subscriptions, time to contracts, actually look at utilization by employee. So for example, let's say you're a 300-person company, right? You have 300 licenses for Slack, only 250 are being used. Yep. That's automatic waste, which we can cut out, yep. right? And then the marketplace aspect comes in because if you're utilizing a service that we can trigger an event on and save you money, we let you know. And the other thing is you can price check us. So we say, here's how much you can save. Your contract's coming up, but feel free to check it on your own. So and I should probably be using this. And I'm I'm only a five person. Well, granted, because of the, the we're in multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense for us. I guess I, th I tell myself it makes sense. We have a lot of subscriptions and a lot of different stuff. Some of it's media, some of it's tech, some of it's whatever. Um, and I have no idea some of the stuff that like I, we, we switched credit or switched uh, banks. And I literally had to like scroll for three months in my statements to try to identify if I was going to get pinged for something that like I signed up for or that these guys signed up for. I had no idea what the fuck it was. I'm a five person company and I, I think I would be a lot more at ease if I use this. You would. And even if you set, you can also set triggers. By to say vendors. nothing of the, of the fact about the savings. Correct. Like I'm, that's not, I'm talking about just peace of mind, not even the, the actual like, hey, we can save you a discount of you know, 10% on Google, which I think is huge. So the, the next question I have for you, and this is something that I would ask for, there's only a few, and I think this is like correlates with when I'm afraid of things. There's only a few businesses that I am like, I got to ask, how did you get into this or why? Cause like it, I'm afraid of it. Like I'm just one, it's just one of those things that it's, I, there was always this mysterious man who would come out of the closet of that didn't sound right, but a mysterious man who comes, comes wandering out of the, out of our IT closet at work. And I'm like, I don't, I can't connect to the printer. I can't like, that's all I knew about it. You know what I mean? Like that, 
I don't know anything about it. And so I guess I'm afraid of it. And I wonder how a person like you could be so successful growing these businesses. Like what, what got you into this? You know, so as you know, my background's in telecom and tech, and I built up a few companies, everything else. And, and, and what happened is my attorney came, you know, attorneys came to me, they're good buddies of mine, and they said, hey, can you look at our telecom stuff? And I come from the carrier world, so my customers were AT&T, Verizon's, Deutsche Telecoms, and I never really looked at the business-to-business market, and I saw how much they were paying, and, and I did a double-take, because I know what this stuff costs, everything else. And, you know, it not only caught my attention how much they were paying, but how bad the contractual terms were. That if you didn't track these contracts, they automatically renewed for two and three year terms. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I started talking to my, you know, my partner, you, you know, what we realized as we got deeper in this, it wasn't just a telecom problem; it was an overall management problem from IT, from telecom to assets to contracts. Uh, so we started going about ways we could build a platform to solve some of these issues. And but I wanted to go a step further and actually build in the savings component into the platform so that I could use that data not only to solve and give you visibility, whether you're an IT pro or not, if you're a CFO, if you're a business owner, or even the IT manager, okay, but use that data to save you money, right? Because if you're a smaller company, you just don't have the purchasing power, right? Whereas an enterprise, they got people knocking on the door, they got a big budget, they got a big team, they've got a subscription gardener to how much, you know, how much their peers are paying. You look at the mid-market and SMB, they just don't have these tools because they yeah. can't afford it. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's like you talk about, you, you like, Unlike most people I know, you you gla- like glaze right over like some very big moments in one's life, some very successful stories, and I think it's important um, to share with the audience as well as the, the potential users of of a, of a company like Genuity, like where you came from, because it's one thing to under to like come up with a tech solution that disrupts, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, like a, a disruptive model, like oh here's how I change the model. It's another to be like, oh, I've been working in this industry and understand the infrastructure and what goes into the front, the middle, the back, like nobody else. Talk a little bit about your actual background and like in the, the first couple companies, because it's we're talking about, you know, zero to 100 million in revenue in like four years and, you know, 65 million in two. Like it's not not substantial. Yeah. So, you know, I co-founded my first company right out of college. You know, I was kind of at the right place at the right time. And I started doing voice for a P in 97. OK. And so that company, you know, I built VoIP networks around the world, and my customers were the carriers from AT&T and Verizon to France Telecom to 12 out of the 15 largest telecom companies in the world. And so that company I built from zero to 100 million. We went public in 2000. Uh, at first, it was great. Yeah. And, then, and, you know, and then the stock market crashed. That's and, less uh, great. It was a real tough te- you know, time for telecom. Worldcom went bankrupt and Global Crossing. And we retooled it for you know, profitability and ultimately sold that company to a company called the Titan Corporation, which is a conglomerate with about 10,000 employees, a few billion dollars in revenue. Uh, I stayed on with them for about a year and a half, uh, you know, had a few year non-compete. And then I started another telecom company, but this time it was focused on Latin America. Okay, So I was actually building out voice and data infrastructure for the cable companies, for the telecom companies again. Uh, you know, we went from zero to 65 million in two and a half years, uh, open office operations in six countries, millions of phone calls daily for the world's biggest phone companies. Uh, and I successfully exited that business end of 2012. Uh, you know, and then a few years on the sidelines, started thinking about different ideas, partnering with people on different things. And I came up with Genuity probably in 16, but not fully flushed out. And then I started working in the idea and I started development of the platform probably probably two years ago. So I want to dig in a little bit here and talk about what I think is one of the most important that we're going to get real. We've been talking about tech and, and, and good, good stuff. It's your business. Not that it's not real. Sure. But I want to get real because there's, there's like, 
the conversation that needs to be had in Chicago Tech, and there's a lot of things that you've done um, differently. And what I think, um, how do I put this? I'd like to see more founders do, and I I don't. I don't want this to come across like I don't like having a big community and that we're, the Chicago tech community is not amazing because it is and we're growing so quickly. But there's a there's like a lack of of teeth, I think, in some of the some of the be you know the the bullshit stuff that goes on day to day versus like get to get to job, get to sell your product, make your product. You've chosen to self fund, multi time repeat founder. I see the the sign of a great ecosystem is multiple repeat founders having success look at silicon valley you look at new york boston wherever sure you chose to take an office down the road from your house nothing fancy hidden in a building that has basically mirrored windows so you literally wouldn't even know it's there (laughs) and it's like put right between the three things that are the most important to you which is a golf course a gym and a coffee machine and you just like dig in for two years to like discover and explore the problem and decide what it's going to cost to build and leverage resources you have to build it. But by and large, completely out of the limelight, completely out of attention, not meeting with VCs to get money and to do like whatever. And it was just like, I'm just going to do this and, and then, then we'll see. And I, I think that if more people were doing it that way, I would feel more confident in the way that we're trajectory is and like, we're trying to get involved in the investment side of this and the, the like not as much, but a little bit precede seed and a specifically because I think a lot of founders aren't going about it in this way. I would much rather say like, listen, we've got, I love your idea. I love you as a founder. I've got enough money to get you started, which is to say, maybe we build your tech, maybe we don't, but I've got enough money to like set you and put you into a corner somewhere and let you get to work. Rather than let's celebrate, let's have this party and this, let's get together and fuck around all day. There, there's a, there's a disconnect, and I would love to know why you chose right outside of the city of Chicago. You, you've been a mentor, Texas. You've been to someone. You know all the stuff. Why did you choose to do it the way you did it? Because I thought I could get it further on my own than distractions of raising money and everything else. And, and not all entrepreneurs have that. I mean, I was fortunate to have some past successes. Yep. You, you know, I seeded with $3 million of my own money. And I knew if I just focused from working on the product, I could get it there. Because I think the other thing is what, what people forget. Even if you raise the money, yes, that's a milestone. But that doesn't guarantee you success, right? So you have to keep trying. You have to keep working. You have to keep doing these things. And, you, you know, I've been fortunate where I didn't have to go that path to raise seed and everything else, right? But a lot of entrepreneurs have to. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, even this company, since I come from the infrastructure side of the business, building out a whole, whole you know, a full platform has been a learning experience for, for me as well. And we've made our share of mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's on my dime, you know. And so I'm going to push it as far ahead as I can. And, and, and we're almost there. But, but, but it's been a grind. And, you, you know, I mean, I think all entrepreneurs, if they keep working hard enough, good things will happen. You, you know what I mean? You just have to keep pushing it forward. And, you know, I don't need a pat on the back for anyone or, or, or this and that. You know, I need to focus on building the company, which is why I didn't go out and start doing these things earlier. I tend to think that I don't want to call it a crutch, but I think that there's this like if we're not like you're I liken this to going through like a a tunnel, like just entrepreneurship in general. Not only is it hell, so you're underneath the, the earth's surface, that's the part of the tunnel. But usually at the stage that you're at and even still where you are now, you really don't see a light like and I, when I say a light, I mean like even a peak. It's just black. 
and you're just going on your sort of like experience and your intuition and I don't even call it hope. You're just going to do this and we'll see what happens. I think a lot of founders, because you're not going to see success along the way, you're sort of like you need people to like tell you that you're going to win an award for this this arbitrary feat. And that's to make you feel like you've hit a milestone, even though we're still in complete blackness. And I, and I, I feel like obviously you've had a lot of success, but you've also had failure. And, and I'm, I'm going to guess that like, you know, you know what you, you've learned lessons and you know what they are. Of course. But I, I just, I wonder if part of this is like, a, like as a community, we're not doing enough to, to make, and it's not struggle porn and talking about failure. It's like, are we not doing enough to showcase the hard work of this, the need to be, I don't want to say quarantine because like, that's not fair, but it's pretty damn close. Like, I, I think if you're out and about, like, rah, rah, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a negative impact is what I'm getting at. And I think you, you, you know it better than anyone because you've done the mentor stuff. You've done both sides of this. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, there's milestones and you should celebrate those sure. milestones. You're still pushing a boulder up the hill. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you, that, you, you know, little rest points, everything else, but you still got to push it up the hill. And, and, you know, I think they celebrate all the major successes, everything else. But they don't look at where they were yeah. when they started, which is a grind. You, you, you know what I mean? And uh, so, I, I mean, I think, you know, even once you raise capital, that doesn't give you success, right? Now you've got money, other people's money, by the way, where you got to prove out your, your you know, your your, uh, your business plan and actually get those metrics, right? So it's not easy. And, and uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a founder is lonely, right? Because you got to be the cheerleader for the team. Yep. You, you, you know, you've got to keep a happy face you got to keep motivated and you got to keep pushing the vision forward and it's not easy it's not for the faint of heart no but the rewards are definitely worth it you, you know what i mean i just think that sometimes false milestones get celebrated yeah no and, and i don't even mean uh that as much as i look at like i mean shit this is like real simple i'm gonna raise a bunch of money and the, one of the first expenses and not to say that you don't need space because you do but to spend let's say you raise a million bucks you spend one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars on on rent I mean, you, and you know, I see that a lot. Well, then I'll say they'll be out of business in 14 months. Right? So, like, that's what I'm starting to get to. I'm starting to get to these indicators. And you have, you know, you've been a mentor for a long time, and we've talked about this on I don't know how many golf rounds and whatever. I don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand the, 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 and when I say that, that's actually a broad statement. When I look at it, it's like, I look at the investor types out there, and you're, you're also an investor. I look at companies and I go, I don't understand how investors put money in this. When you meet the person or you see the team, you see what they're doing, and you're just like, those are like the most rookie mistakes. Those are so vanity-driven, and it's so like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, you you just said it. Like In 14, 18 months, you're probably going to be out of business. You just took somebody else's money, and you spent it on something that has almost zero chance of return. Like, you might as well just throw it down the fucking well. Like... Well, you know, I, I mean, that, that's almost where we need better mentors, but but you also need better connections, right? Because a lot of these angel groups have started up, and there's some good ones and some bad ones. But someone just told me about a deal the other day, right? And they said, "Hey, can can you look at it for me? Everything else?" And, and I looked at it, and I, I saw what they spent, and I'm like, "Man, it's smoke and mirrors." Yeah, you, 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 you know what I mean? And and they're like, "Well, this person's doing it, so therefore I should do it." And I was just like, "Really?" So like, so like this is this is where I I start to, and this is I am in a weird spot, and I, you know, I know this obviously with the 
Technori were a huge champion of founders, and at the same time, I also had to put the investor hat on. It's like white hat, black hat. And I, I find myself looking at these going, do I think that that expense was a mistake, or do I think that's an indicator of the motivations of the person. And I'm, and I'm not like, I don't mean to broad stroke and judge on this. I'm, I'm literally just saying like, it doesn't mean that that person's not going to be a successful entrepreneur or founder in the, down the road or that they won't even get lucky or not get lucky in this venture. But there's something about the vanity metric for me that is like a real telltale when I look at all of these millions of, of deals that come through. I mean, it's thousands of deals that we see coming across the table. And I, I don't like, we've got a founder coming on later today who has a very public company and he's a very private person. It doesn't mean you have to be an introvert, but like it's, it's just work. This is a business. And I, I see that and immediately I'm like, I'm in on that one. I mean, I'm listening. Well, and, and I think, I mean, it's up to the investors and the mentors, Yeah, you, you know, because you're a new, you know, new entrepreneur. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, and, and so it's up to the investors and, and, and whoever's investor, whether that's, you know, VC. They probably should say private. it's a bad idea. But like the argument that I hear a lot and I'll give you another example with this. Um, another guy, you know, Al Goldstein. I think you were actually at the technology showcase that sure. Goldstein um, presented at. Uh, this is the Avant CEO. And he talked about. They have already, I mean, he's already accumulated more than like a billion dollars worth of net worth. This is like his third business. All three of his businesses, all of which have gone well over 100 million, this one now in the billions, were started in the same, they rented the same unit. I remember that in the presentation. No yeah, windows. I remember. Dude's worth 100 million. It, it, no windows. And you know what's funny when I saw that presentation? Remember where you came from. So my first two companies started in the same office i bet a one one little office everything else you know what i mean is where it started you know in, in, in this company it's we're you know, nowhere near that but we've we have shared a closet in more offices over the last three years oh yeah i don't even have a fucking desk like like you know what i mean and it's, it's just and i'm not i'm i'm really not trying to like judge it it sounds judgy i don't mean it that way it's just i want to see more entrepreneurs take this seat that you're in like you where it's like it's not about that. Like, and, and, and let me be clear. That's not to say that when you don't achieve success that you shouldn't celebrate and you shouldn't buy nice things and you shouldn't you know, pay attention to culture and your, your people are your asset. They, at the end of the day, it's like the right people are the asset. So they need a space that's comfortable for them and, and you want to reward them, but not bef- cart before the horse. Well, listen, as an entrepreneur, if you're raising money from other people and you're burning cash, you're going to need more. Yes. Right. And the quicker you can show metric and get to some some level of profitability, path to revenue. Show, okay, you're going to control your own destiny. And if you don't, you're either out of business or you're out of the company. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I, and I think that's what's, what's missed. I don't think entrepreneurs are aware necessarily of like another i'm going to ring on another person who's recently spoke like david cult talks about how as a as a company he when he looked for investors for options expressed before the you know billion plus dollar exit and now reverb.com he looked for investors that he as he puts it people i'd want to work for just very important to think about it, a guy who's worth a lot of money doing this again saying i'm looking at my investors as people i work for i work for you you know what i mean you're not my boss but i work for you we well, got to treat their money like you treat your own and, and, and if this was your own money, would you spend it this way? Well, that's a good and, question. And, and, I'd love to look at look at that and see if they if, if they live that high life. Well, in, in, in my second company, I had some you, you know who are still partners of mine today. You, you know, did a lot of business, very successful you know gentleman in Mexico, and I treated their money just like you know I would treat my own. Yeah, 
And, and, and that's the only way to do business, right? Yep. No, I, I totally agree. This is very fascinating. Um, people who will come on the show are going to know that, obviously, I'm a big supporter of Genuity and that you guys are offering up a special for all of the, the guests who come on the show, all the startup companies along with Google and along with Active Campaign. So I just want to thank you for setting that up. Um, and excited to have you on multiple times and learn as you guys launch this. Um, I think I really do think it's a a game changing type of of play because it's a space that it's like everyone sort of like it's like when you watch a accident on pile up on the highway they're all going down the same way at the same speed one person stops and they all bang into each other and then there's there's column just cruising right along by and, and the fact of the matter is really what we've done okay because if you look at some of the tools we've developed just on our IT suite of the platform you're talking thousands of dollars per month. Yep. Or you look at other SaaS companies that solve a portion of this, you know, it's per seat or anything else. First month's free, then twenty ninety nine per company. Use as much as you want. And by the way, I know I can save you money in the marketplace, whether that's on software licensing, whether that's on hardware, whether that's on telecom. I need to sign up for it and actually get my own stuff on it. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't actually asked you this. Like, I, I don't know what, like... We've got a ton of stuff, and I don't, I don't know. I like, I, I see the subscriptions renewing on my iCloud, right? And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Hey, listen, brother, you know you can't, you know you can't manage what you can't measure. <laughs> it's, my partner Mike Rothman says all the time, you can't manage what you can't see. It's totally that true. Too. It's a yeah. reason why when you get to, you know, 30 percent growth month over month, you need a dashboard. It just get, it's like flying without, uh, you know, w- without what do you call it? The um, instruments it's like flying without instruments you can't see where the hell you're going exactly column thank you so much oh scott thanks for having me buddy gogenuity.com learn more about upcoming technology events investment opportunities check out the blog at technor.com download the podcast on spotify or apple Podcasts. follow us on social at technor you can follow me at katoon boom that's a wrap